Welcome to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Solomon and his wives as we pick up in 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 1. And now with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck. The day you leave the city of Jerusalem, you're taking your life in your own hands. Do you understand this? Shimei said, yeah, I understand it. I said, okay. So Shimei lived there in Jerusalem for a couple of years. But he had a couple of servants that ran off, and they went down to Gath, one of the Philistine cities. And he heard that the servants were there in Gath, and so he left the city of Jerusalem to go down and get his runaway servants. And it was told King Solomon, Shemaiah has left the city. So when he got back, he said, didn't you understand that you were to stay in the city? And if you left, that was it. And he said, surely you've brought the death sentence upon yourself. And so Shimei was also executed. Now Solomon begins the gathering of wives of which it seemed had no end. He made a affinity with the Pharaoh of Egypt. And he took the Pharaoh's daughter and brought her to the city of David until he had made an end of building his own house and the house of the Lord and the wall of Jerusalem round about. So he took, first of all, the Pharaoh's daughter as his wife, and later on he built her a house there in Jerusalem. But he was wanting now to build a house for the Lord, the temple in Jerusalem, because the people sacrificed in those days just on the high places, because there was no house built in the name of the Lord until those days. And Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of David his father, only he sacrificed and burnt incense in the high places, which was more or less copying after the pagans around them. So the king went to Gibeon, and there on the high place of Gibeon, he offered a thousand burnt offerings on an altar there. So had a great sacrifice unto God. Now, it must not be thought that these animals were just sacrificed and burned. On these great offerings like this, these were peace offerings or oftentimes as a peace offering, they were more or less celebrations almost where they were just great feasts. You're going to have a gigantic barbecue. But they would offer the animals, they would sacrifice the animals to the Lord. In other words, the idea was, Lord, we're we're sacrificing these animals for you, an acknowledgement that you are the giver of, of all of these good gifts and so forth. But then they would go ahead and roast the meat, and they would all have a gigantic barbecue big party, and everyone would eat of it. So they were times of feasting. And it is interesting, you remember, they were called feast days because they were times of great feasting. 
when you would come before the Lord, it was always a time of celebration and feasting uh, because God wanted the thought of, of worshiping him to be associated with, with joy and with happiness. I don't know where people got the idea that uh, worshiping God should be sad and mournful. It's tragic that the church went through a period of its history where the more somber and sober you looked, the more righteous you were thought to be. So all of the ministers were seeking to affect a, a very serious, somber appearance. And they, and they even developed voices with uh, just that uh, great, you know, kind of a, of a mournful, uh, like, you know, the more you could sound in a mournful tone, really the more spiritual and righteous you were. Hello, brother. You know, and, and you're supposed to look real solemn and, and sober and all, you know, and, and that's supposed to mean that you're very righteous. And if you dare crack a smile, man, you've had it. They know that you've been, you know, not doing your job or something, you know, because uh, somehow they didn't relate worshiping the Lord with joy. And yet God wants us to relate the worship of him with joy, with thanksgiving, with with party, if you please, with, with just uh, great rejoicing and happiness in, in the serving of God, for it should be a joyful, happy experience. Fellowshipping with God should be the greatest joy that a person can experience. And you should always go away from true fellowship with God with your soul lifted and your heart light and just rejoicing in the glory and the goodness of the Lord. So uh, Solomon offered a thousand sacrifices there. So there was a time of great feasting. And of course, you eat a lot of that lamb and you, you get sleepy. So he went to sleep. And he had a dream. And in his dream, the Lord came to him and said, Solomon, ask whatever you will. If God should say that to you, what would you ask for? This can be very revealing. It can reveal an awful lot about you if you'll be truly honest in this. If God should say, ask me anything you want, what would be your request? For your answer to that would reveal whether or not you are living on the flesh side or the spiritual side of your nature. If your desire would be for great riches, if your desire would be for fame or honor or glory, it means that somehow you're still suffering under the illusion that you can one day maybe find satisfaction in your flesh and in things of the flesh. Never. But if your answer be, oh God, that I just might walk with thee in close fellowship. Lord, that I might be the person you want me to be. Or if your answer is in the spiritual things, then that indicates also the fact that your heart is really after God and the things of God for your desiring spiritual benefits. 
So Solomon said, Lord, here I am sitting on the throne of my father David, ruling over your people, such a great number and multitude that they can't be numbered. And Lord, I really don't know what I'm doing. I, I'm a novice at this. I don't know what a king's supposed to do. I don't know how to go in and, and come out before the people. Lord, there are so many important decisions that have to be made, and people are looking to me for judgment. Grant me, Lord, that I might have wisdom and understanding, that I may properly discern and judge over these people. And it pleased the Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Because you didn't ask for riches, or for long life, or for the life of your enemies. But instead, you asked for wisdom and understanding in ruling the people. I will give to you wisdom and understanding above any who has ever come before or who will come after you. Now, as you go down into the fourth chapter and in verse 29, and God gave Solomon wisdom and understanding exceeding much and largeness of heart, even as the sand that is on the seashore. And Solomon's wisdom excelled the wisdom of all the children of the east country and all the wisdom of Egypt. And he was wiser than all the men, than Etham the Ezerathite, and from Heman and Chalco and Darda, the sons of Mahol, and his fame was in all of the nations round about. And he spake 3,000 proverbs. He wrote 1,005 songs. He spake of trees from the cedars, tree that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that springs out of the wall. He spake also of beast, of fowl, of the creeping things, of fish. And there came of all people to hear the wisdom of Solomon from all of the kings of the earth, which had heard of his wisdom. God, give me wisdom. And God said, because you've asked for wisdom, understanding, I'm going to give it to you, but I'm also going to give you that for which you did not ask, great riches and honor. And if you will walk in my commandments, I'll also give you long life. Again, that's a conditional but I'm going to give you more than what you ask. I'll give you what you ask, but even more. Now, the principle is stated by Christ. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, all these things will be added unto you. Now, it is wrong for us to think that riches are either signs of spirituality or, or, or morality. Riches are... Re are, are Amoral, really. However, riches can be a hang-up. They did become a hang-up for Solomon. Fame can be a hang-up. It became a hang-up for Solomon. The Bible says, set not your heart upon riches or seek not to be rich. That should never be a goal or an ambition of your life. Seek not to be rich. And they that will be rich, we are told, 
fall into diverse temptations that drown men's souls in perdition. The Bible also said, if riches increase, set not your heart upon them. Let your heart remain set upon the Lord, never upon riches, never trust in riches, trust in the Lord. And so God promised to him more than what he asked. And this, again, is just one of those indications of God's grace, giving more than what we ask. Now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God's desire is to give good gifts to his children. He delights in doing so. God delights in just giving to you. Even as parents who are able delight in giving to their children or to their grandchildren. It's a joy, it's a thrill. So God delights in giving to his children. So Solomon woke up, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant. And he offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings. Burnt offerings are offerings of consecration, the consecration of my life to God. The peace offerings are the offerings of communion, entering into communion and fellowship with God. So there came two women to Solomon. They were prostitutes. They were living together. And the one said, we both of us had children within a few days of each other. And she, in the night, rolled over on her child and suffocated it. And she pulled a switcheroo. She put the dead child next to me, and she took my live child. The woman said, no, the live child is mine and the dead child is hers. And they were both affirming that the child belonged to them. And so Solomon said, bring a sword. The women arguing over it, cut the live child in two and give them each half. <laughs> and the true mother of the child said, oh, no, 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 give her the child. Don't do that. Give her the child. And the other said, oh, no, that's a good deal. Cut it in half and divide it. And Solomon said, give the child to its mother. And all the people heard of this, and they marveled at the wisdom of Solomon in dealing with this particular issue. Now, as we get into chapter 4, we have listed here uh, those princes that uh, were prominent during the reign of Solomon. And then the 12 officers who were over all of Israel who provided the food for the king's household, each man in a month of a year. So he had 12 men, and each of them were responsible to provide the food for one month during the year. So that's a pretty good job. You work one month and you... Uh, have 11 months vacation. No, really, they were probably trying to gather everything that they needed during the 11 months because when you read what it took to run his household. Now, of course, remember, with wives and concubines, there was a thousand of them. 
plus all of the servants that he had and, and everybody else, that takes a lot of food. So in verse 22, uh, we have the provisions that it took to provide Solomon's household each day of his life. His provision for one day was 30 measures of fine flour. Now a measure is about 10 bushels. So 300 bushels of fine flour a day plus 60 measures of meal or 600 bushels. 10 prime beef, and 20 commercial grade <laughs> for the servants and the wives. Uh, well, really, the wives didn't have anything but just one step above a servant. The women didn't have it too well. 10 fat oxen, 20 oxen from the pasture, so the fat would be prime, and the, out of the pasture... Is just commercial where you don't, you know, feed them in the grain and so forth. A hundred sheep beside the hearts and the roebucks and the fallow deer and the fatted fowl, the turkeys and the chickens and all. Man, <laughs> that really is a lot of food to be consumed in a day's time. But he did have an awful lot of mouths to feed because each of the wives were probably having children somewhere along the line. For he had dominion over all the region on this side of the river and over all the kings on this side of the river, and he had peace on all the sides around him. Now, the areas from which they gathered the food, if you'll look up these names from Mount Ephraim and so forth, you'll find that actually the whole land of Israel each had its turn in providing Solomon. So one fellow was over each of the parts, even over the other side of Jordan, the area of Gilead and Moab and so forth. They also were providing for his food, if you, if you follow it through. Plus, he had 40,000 stalls for his horses. Now, that sounds like an exaggeration. And for a long time, people thought that the Bible had just exaggerated until the archaeologists began to uncover throughout the land, up in Megiddo and all over the land, they've uncovered some of Solomon's stables and the hundreds of stalls in some of these cities that they have discovered so that the figure 40,000 no longer seems like an exaggeration. 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots and 12,000 horsemen. And those officers provided the food for the King Solomon and for all the king to his table, every man in his month, and they lacked nothing. And also the barley and the straw for the horses and the camels. And God gave the wisdom to Solomon and so forth, which we alluded to earlier. And the many Proverbs. Of course, we have the book of Proverbs. Now, one of the pro or many of the Proverbs do deal with uh, the discipline of children. 
and no doubt because Solomon observed the errors of his father David. Now, Adonijah, the one son that rebelled against him that we studied in chapter 1, there's a verse set there that David never did correct Adonijah. Never did correct him. Said, why do you do that, son? Never did speak a word of correction to Adonijah. And Adonijah, of course, later rebelled against his father David, which probably prompted Solomon to write in one of the Proverbs, a child left to himself will bring reproach to his mother. Or the foolishness of the world is bound up in the heart of the child, but the rod of instruction driveth it far from him. Or spare the rod and you will spoil the child. Spare the rod and spoil it. My son used to think that was a commandment. <laughs> he couldn't understand. He thought he was supposed to be spoiled. He said, but the Bible says, spare the rod and spoil the child. It's interesting the way people can fit the scriptures to accommodate themselves. We'll continue with more of our verse-by-verse -verse Bible study in the book of 1 Kings on our next broadcast as Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible. And we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order 1 Kings 3 through 4 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription. Once again, that's the wordfortoday.org. For those of you wishing to call, our toll-free number is 1-800-272-WORD, and our office hours are Monday through Friday, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Pacific Time. Again, that's 1-800-272-9673. If you prefer to write, our mailing address is The Word for Today, P.O. Box 8000, Costa Mesa, California, 92628. And now, on behalf of the Word for Today, we'd like to thank all of you who share in supporting this ministry with your prayers and financial support. And be sure to join us again next time as Pastor Chuck continues his verse-by-verse -verse study through the Bible. That's right here on the next edition of The Word for Today. And now, once again, here's Pastor Chuck. May the Lord be with you and watch over and keep you in the love of Jesus Christ through the week. May you be strengthened by His Spirit in your inner man. And may you comprehend more and more what is the length and the depth and the height and the breadth of God's great love for you. And may you just bask in that love this week. God be with you. And may he use you as his instrument to show his love to this needy world. In Jesus' name. This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. I'd like to tell you about a book written by Chuck Smith entitled Living Water. In this book, Pastor Chuck explains how God has the power to change your life through his Holy Spirit. This book will help you to understand how the Holy Spirit works in your life, covering such topics as who is the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do, what are the gifts of the Spirit, and how should I respond. 
It's Pastor Chuck's desire that by God's grace and through this book, the Lord will develop in you a hunger and thirst for the things after the Spirit that will help you come into a deeper and personal relationship with Him, transforming your life. To find out more and to read a book preview, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link to download Living Water by Chuck Smith. Or if you'd like to order this book in print, call The Word for Today at 800-272-WORD. That's 800-272-9673.